Hi, nerds. I'm Michael Moore, hosting this podcast for Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. I'm here with Will Carrazzo, Director of Information Technology at Yonkers Contracting Company. But I heard that it's just called Yonkers. Is that right, Will? <laughs> That's what we call it. Uh, the employees of, of Yonkers Contracting Company call the company, which is kind of confusing because Yonkers Contracting Company is based in Yonkers, New York. So we just think we own the city. Yonkers is everywhere. I love it. Um, we're going to start off with, by the way, great to have you on the program. Uh, um, I, we're going to start off with uh, icebreaker segment that we always do, which is random access memories. I'm going to ask you a question, and then you're going to respond with the answer that just pops in your head first. All right. First question. Right. If you could transform any IT device or software into a physical object or a living being, what would it be and why? I think I would transform a printer uh, into a uh, punching bag. <laughs> you probably guess why. I'm not a big fan. <laughs> I'm not so, a big fan of printers. I'm not a big fan of paper. So there's a. I have a running joke with uh, a lot of uh, folks that uh, um, have known me over the years. Every time I try to fix a printer, I always end up with extra parts. I come back. That I've had, I actually had at one point, anytime I'd be like, Hey, I think my printer's not working. They would prevent me from physically touching the printer because it would just break. It would just so, completely break. So we have these copiers in our office, right? And a few weeks ago, one of my coworkers walks into my office with this little plastic thing in her hand and she puts it down on my desk. And explains to me that it's from a copier, but she doesn't know where, you know, what part it is or where it came from. So I had to go on like a fact finding mission to try to figure out where this tiny little plastic part went. I mean, this is this is case in point. Was the printer still working without the part? It was. It was part of the feeder for the like the document feeder. I had to examine another copier for for 20 minutes or so to figure out where this little part went. Uh, I, I mean, I've it's, I've taken apart things before, put them back, and still had extra screws, and be like, "Well, it's still working." Yeah. <laughs> you know, should I put it back, take it apart again, and put it back? Oh, no! Man. If it works, no. The answer is no. <laughs> if it's uh, I, you know, I don't even own a printer at my house anymore. It's gotten to that point where I don't. I don't even. If I had to get, a, I, listen, if I buy a printer and it works for like six months. Great. And if it breaks down or if I just need new ink, I just go buy another printer at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, our my, our home printer just died. We just had to get a new a new printer. So it's just it's just like my blood's boiling right now. Let's, That's let's, right. let's move on. <laughs> okay. Um all right. Well, that was good. That was a good question. All right. So uh good answer to the question. If if you could ethically Key note here on ethically hack into any IT system or network. What would it be, and what would you do? Ethically, if I could ethically hack into an IT network, yeah. Let's say they asked you to. You know, let's make it easier. They like they ask you. They're like, "Hey, Will, you know, come hack into our system. We want to make sure that it's safe." You know, well, we have a number of of. Uh, there are a number of vendors that I've worked with in the past that I would love to uh, get on the inside of their network and 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 dredge up some some skeletons and, and and some of the things that they would that they weren't doing correctly. I would love that. 
<laughs> There's a good answer. There's a good answer. Oh, I love it. All right. If um, if you so okay, well, here's a good one. Uh, this is this is the last question, and, and I think this is a good one. You get to sit in a meeting with any company, any company. Which company and what department? Which company and what department? Uh, well, you know, if if I could also have a time machine, I would probably want to go back in time and and uh, meet with the uh, with the creatives at Apple. I mean, that's that's kind of the layup answer to, to that question. That's a that's a good one. That's a good one. I'll, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to give you that time machine so you can uh, so you can do that. There you go. Yeah, definitely in the in, in the Steve Jobs era, you know, without a doubt. <laughs> That's uh that would be an interesting uh that would that would be so interesting. And I'm sure those people they they <laughs> I can't imagine the amount of pressure too though, because I, I heard that uh uh Steve Jobs, very good creative mind, right, but also was uh um kept the pressure on as well. Uh so I can't imagine those folks in there and how how much coffee they were drinking and 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 uh and or energy well they didn't know energy drinks really back then it was just must have been coffee just we'll be let's just say it was coffee <laughs> yeah he, he was he was a little hard to work for huh I, I i would not would have wanted to report directly to him um you know as great as it would have been to be able to spend time with him i don't know if that would be my jam there you go i um uh uh i tell everyone this right i cyber stalk him before they come on the air right uh just so i have things to talk about um but i saw that when i was cyber stalking you it was like i was like oh wow i have things to work with you you write like blogs <laughs> well very infrequently very very infrequently but yes yes i have <laughs> I, some some long form blog articles yep there there is um there's a good one uh so i was i was reading about um uh, uh I was reading through a bunch of things and and I read about something here uh where it was um falling on one sword for others and why you shouldn't do it. Do you do you remember that? I think this was in my angsty project management period of my life. Yep. It was <laughs> <laughs> it was all about project management, but it, you know, let me start this off real quick because I'm gonna give you a second to chat about it because uh, it's a, such a great concept um, that I really wanted to bring in. Um, I had somebody one time, um, uh, and we were doing something, and I had I had messed up somewhere, right? And at this point, I believe I was in management. I don't know where, and uh, um, and uh, uh, one of the folks on the help desk a junior help desk tech um, had jumped up and stood in front of me and said, no, that was my fault. I did that. Right. And I turned around and I, I looked at him. I said, no, you didn't. You didn't do that. Right. Go sit down. I appreciate it. That's very nice of you, but you didn't do that. Right. And I, and I explained that, you know, that it was me and stuff like that. Um, and I did that. I did it on purpose because Two things. One, I'm not going to let anyone take the blame for me and, and things that happen. But but two is he needed to understand that he needed to take ownership of the things that he does. And I need to take ownership of things I do. And it was such a um, uh, a concept that needed to be had. And, and I brought him, 
I brought him back and I told I told him, I said, this is why I'm telling you this. Like I appreciate the sentiment, but it's misplaced, right? And it's it's not where it should be. So let's talk about that for a moment. Falling on the sword for others, angsty project management phase. Go ahead and chat about it, Will. <laughs> All right. Oh boy. All right. So first off, just a disclaimer. If you're a manager, okay. Um there there is absolutely there is absolutely a thing in management where you are supposed to share credit and you are supposed to uh deflect blame so as a manager in a way i i don't know if i would call it falling on one sword but um you should be protecting your people however the the blog entry that I wrote was not about that. The blog entry that I wrote more came from a place of if you as an employee are feeling pressure from your organization, and that could come from your boss, it could come from more powerful people that, that you work with, that in your position, in your role, and this comes up for project managers a lot, because the project manager really is is the the face of their uh uh, especially in the type of role that that I was in, where you're doing projects for other for customers, right? The customer facing roles. So if you're a customer facing project manager, you're really the face of your company when you when you execute, plan, and execute the project. You have to deliver the good news, the bad news. You know, you're the go between, um, and sometimes you're a punching bag, and and that is part of the deal. Um, but there are times when it goes a little bit too far and, and you don't want to let it get to the point where you, you've become a punching bag to the point where it has endangered your own future career prospects. You don't want to, you don't want to tarnish your own name when your, your company collectively is failing on a project. That's really where that was coming from. That's, but that's such a great point. I mean, that's a, um, you know, and I guess we'll dive into a little bit of project management in a little bit, but what a great point to bring out, which is there's a, you know, there's a line that you mentioned, right? Is a line where, yes, I got to be, I got to help the company kind of look good, right? Uh, but I also don't need to take down my own personal uh, um, career while doing it. So uh, that's a, it's a great line to to draw. Right, you should continue to write our blog posts. They're fantastic. I've got a couple in here that I'm going to re- refer back to. You're going to be like, "What? Did you read every blog post?" No, I didn't read every blog post, but I read a lot of them. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But no, there I, was I some. Should, say, go I, ahead. I, I, I should have thought that through more and 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 <laughs> been expecting this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just uh, no, no. It's a it's fantastic, actually. Um, before we get into some of those. Um, I would love to hear about Yonkers and uh, not the entire city, right? <laughs> <laughs> I would like to hear about specifically the contracting company. Um, uh, but uh, but let, let's talk about uh, Yonkers. How did you, first of all, how did you get into Yonkers? Well, that's that one is an interesting answer in itself. I was... Um, and I don't know whether I co- coined this term or not. I like to think I did. I was reverse hired. And 
what I mean by that is um, I uh, I have a coworker, uh, a member of my team, who I had worked with in the past for other companies. And I actually hired him on two separate occasions at other companies. And this role became available at Yonkers Contracting Company. And he was working at Yonkers Contracting Company. And he reached out to me. Uh, uh, he, he thought I would be good for the role. And I was in a place uh, where I was uh, interested in pursuing it. And you know, I, I ended up getting the job. So I like to think of that as he reverse hired me. Reverse hire it. I like that. Actually, that is a, um, it's a great reason. Another great reason why networking is such a big deal and why you shouldn't burn bridges and why should you always look to uplift the people that are around you. That's a, it's a huge, huge point, uh, to that. And, uh, yes, you might have coined that term reverse hired. I've never heard that term before. So we're going to say, uh, guys on this uh, podcast that, uh, Will has now, co- uh, coined the term reverse hired. Yeah, copyrighted. You can't. You can't use <laughs> yep. it. Is it too bad? You, yep. You, he, he but, gets royalties now. Yeah, I, I will say though, in all seriousness, I, it was really uh, an honor to me that that someone who had worked for me twice before wanted me to, you know, be their their supervisor again. I love it. I, that's it, it. Really is fantastic, and uh, and it just goes to show you that you know. Um, you know, you do right by people and they will do right by you. So, and it's, you know, it's a uh, IT karma. There you go. IT karma. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I, it, so, so you get reverse hired into uh, Yonkers, right? And uh, you, let's talk about like what happens when you come into a place, right? Because uh, um, when I first come in, uh, to a, uh, a company or I just, or I need to, um, you know, kind of figure out a company. First kind of things I do is just start kind of a listening exercise to see what's working, what's not working. Uh, were you able to do that here or is it brought in everything working great or brought in and it's a, everything's on fire? Um, you know, I, I absolutely did uh, a lay of the land and and surveyed, uh, you know, what what we're doing, what what the technology landscape is, wh- what we're doing for the business, what services do we offer, etc. And um, there there were lots of uh, potential improvements to be made. Uh, I'll say that there was there was a lot to be done, which which really motivated me. It's a um. It's, it's, so it sounds like there's a lot, there's lots of things there that, uh, um, uh, and I, you know, I actually love how you put that because that's essentially what that is. Uh, you know, problems are all these opportunities, <clears throat> you know, and, um, and it, it's normal, by the way, for, uh, um, companies always have problems, you know, because there yeah. is always opportunities to, uh, you know, to go in and, uh, and get them fixed. And so, um, when you came in, Lots of opportunities here. How, how do you even begin to prioritize that? That's <laughs> that's a really good question because I did have uh, a, a lot to prioritize. You know, I, I think the way that I look at it is the first thing you need to do is solidify the infrastructure. The infrastructure is the foundation that all of your technology services it on top of right to use to use a construction analogy right it's the foundation and you need a strong sound foundation um so 
you know, one of the first things we did was assess that foundation, our, our IT infrastructure, um, looked at uh, what what software are we running that's duplicative? We were running a number of, of you know, internal IT management tools and 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 software that that was partly or completely duplicative. Um, there was a lack of uh, documentation. Uh, there was a, a lot of tribal knowledge rather than documented procedures. So everyone was sort of using their best judgment uh, and their career expertise to figure out how to do things. Um, so uh, we put a lot of documentation in place, uh, a lot of standard procedures in place, and we worked for a while, probably the first year and change to, to shore up uh, our infrastructure. And there were some, there were some immense pains uh, during that journey. But uh, but but we got through it. Oh, let's talk. So so we're okay. Well, we're going to get to that in a, a second here. Um, let's jump back to what you said about the duplicative uh, software. Um, I, I love the term so far on here. It's just great, <laughs> duplicative software. So um, the great thing that I always love uh, is when uh, I can find duplicative software. Uh, to pay for my infrastructure upgrades <laughs> later on, right? I mean, that's really the one of the things I always do is get with the CFO, get with the uh, um, you know the uh, finance teams, and I and I go hunting for software that I can kill that's not going to um, make much of a difference um, because it's just such a it's like the low hanging fruit of it's always there. It's the low, yeah. low hanging fruit, and and you can you can use that money later on hopefully to to say i saved you this now we really need to do these things um so were you able uh with that uh, um slashing of the duplicative software get to that kind of a point yeah that's exactly what we did it's like a it's like a budget cheat code right so we <laughs> yes. we we save on all this annual licensing for for something that we that we basically already have and then maybe we Maybe we upgrade our Microsoft 365 licensing so we can now do X, Y, and Z and now, you know, have a, a standard version of Office on everyone's computers and move our email to Exchange online and do all and do all these other things. So, yeah, yeah, it's it, that that's absolutely what we what we leverage that for. I, and I like the the lack of documentation you're talking about and you referred to tribal knowledge, which is such a risk in an organization, right? I mean, tribal knowledge runs away when people run away right and it's such a um it's such a yep. risk to have that tribal knowledge not actually documented anywhere where anybody can have it um and uh i have seen organizations just be stuck using uh, uh equipment and literally had to migrate out of entire systems and entire software with uh um uh, and just leave it there because they because nobody knew how to upgrade it held hostage really by the uh um by that yeah and it makes onboarding a pain too when you have nothing documented <laughs> everything everything has to be verbal everything is gonna every piece of information is gonna require you sitting down with someone and hearing it from their mouth and and what are you gonna end up doing you're taking notes anyway so that, yeah i'm yeah I, I'm I'm big on documentation. Uh anyone that's worked with me knows that um to to, to some of their chagrins, but you know, I think it's huge. It I mean, in the in the process of getting the documentation is not an easy one um, because it's not like there's one person that knows everything. You're going to have to 
probably gather it from multiple people in multiple sections. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and you know, one thing we did, because it, it is legitimately difficult to find, I'm in a small IT department, so I'll say that, I'll throw that in there too, because that's relevant to, to add some context. To it. We're a four-person IT department, including me. And, and one of the things that I did, uh, tactics that I used, which I stole from uh, a former uh, employer, is we do these bi-weekly documentation lunch sessions where the team gets together, we have lunch on the company, and we sit and we document something that needs documenting, or we update something that that needs updating. And that, and the team really bought into that. Um, and it's worked really well for us. That's a, it's a great idea. I absolutely love that. Because you know, it's like, hey, listen, uh, uh, eat your pizza and document it. Let's get, <laughs> let's get this moving. <laughs> but it's collaborative, too. And, I, and that's what, uh, you know, and people can look forward to uh, that. I think, I think, um, uh, you know, it's it's a great way to also make sure that that always happens. That's the problem with documentation. You start it, everyone gets excited, and then it falls off. But it seems like you've made it a process to keep it going and keep it, um, you know, keep it on regular interval. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's a really good point you you just made. I think a lot of things sort of follow that that trajectory, and uh, you know, I'm also big into programming in follow ups, like. A case in point, whenever we clean something up, so a lot of the the information systems uh, that we that we maintain needed cleaning up uh, when I started with with Yonkers. There were a lot of you know, stale user accounts or like test configurations, and a lot of them just needed needed cleaning up. And in truth, they do need periodic review. So you know what I do is I leverage the our IT support system. Um, to put in basically recurring tickets that spin up and auto assign to people at intervals. So maybe every, you know, six months, someone, you know, just give the address book a once over to make sure nothing stale is in there, right? Every year, you know, we go through system X or system Y and, and I write some kind of procedure up in the ticket to how you should do the review, you know, that, so that, 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 that stuff really works to kind of just ongoing hygiene of your environment. I love it. So I, I, I like the I like the follow ups on it because it's definitely huge and you want to keep it going. So you come in, you find a bunch of duplicative software, you uh, um, reduce costs, you uh, increase the uh, um, documentation so that the it's not tribal anymore. People actually know what's going on. So now we've started to put processes in place. Uh, you've identified things that need the opportunities that need to be upgraded and stuff like that. Um, uh, and then you're probably at this point, right, going, okay, let's start scheduling and actually doing upgrades to key systems. How does that go at this point? So, um, it, it, well, uh, this is going to get into our, our one big stumbling block that we had, um, which is so we started doing regular system upgrades. So one of the things that wasn't happening on a regular cadence was upgrades. So this is uh, involves patching um, and other other type of system upgrades, firmware upgrades, hardware hardware upgrades, things of that nature. So we started doing all those things. You know, we sat down and decided on a cadence for each one of those items. Started doing them. And that was going fine. Um, it resulted in more after hours work for people because it wasn't done regularly before. Yep. Um, we ended up in the long run automating a lot of that stuff. Um, so it it, it kind of brought that back down. But anyway, so we, we were starting to do all these things on a regular cadence. And 
Uh, unfortunately, it was about, I don't know, eight, eight or nine months into, into my employment there. Um, one of my uh, engineers, actually the one who reverse hired me, was doing a uh, was doing an upgrade to our uh, we had this Dell Vertex blade hyperconverged system, and he was doing some updates. And, I, I, you know, I have like a selective amnesia about this because it was so ended up being so traumatic. So I don't even remember the details. It was to something to do with either the drivers and VMware. And so he was up late one night doing this, had to schedule this for late at night. And I was uh, asleep. And then and then I wasn't because my phone rang. And That's you know. Cool. Wait, stop for a moment, because everybody collectively now just felt that moment you just said, right? I was asleep and then I wasn't. Because my phone rang and then everybody got chills and went, oh, and <laughs> shuddered at the exact same moment because we've all been in that that same position. Go ahead. Yeah. My palms just started sweating. It's like <laughs> so so I know it's not good. You know, I know what it's about. I didn't know the details, but I knew what it was about the moment the, the phone rang. So I got got into my home office and uh and joined a call with with my uh with my engineer and uh somebody from from dell and uh what happened was during this upgrade uh one of our vmware data stores was corrupted and we had a whole slew of critical virtual servers uh on this data store and without getting into the hairy details um you know suffice to say if we couldn't get this data store somehow repaired, we'd have to restore all these virtual servers from backup. So I spent a few hours uh, on the phone um, with various people from Dell slash VMware. Um, around five, six in the morning, I, I, you know, I come to this dreadful realization that our workforce was going to wake up, not have email, not have access to their files, not have access to critical business apps, uh, so this was like the other shoe dropping, um, you know, now, now my palms are doubly sweating. So I realized, okay, I need to wake up my boss now. And I'm not really sure exactly how people are going to react across the organization that is because I'm fairly new. I'm in my first year and I've never had to break really terrible news to people before. So, you know, I woke up my boss, I called him, explained to him what was going on that worked its way uh, up the chain and around the organization. Um, and for the next few days, uh, it, we worked basically around the clock, uh, you know, restoring VMs from backup. Um, I was very pleasantly surprised to learn that our, our coworkers, despite being extremely inconvenienced, uh, and, and very much impacted by this, our, our business was absolutely adversely impacted by this. They were supportive. They understood we were working hard, you know, they were willing to put aside whatever anguish they were going through um, to show us professional courtesy. And, you know, we got through it uh, at at the end of all of this, whatever it was a week or two later, I had to uh, meet with the senior management team and sort of explain in some detail what happened, why it happened, what actions we took why we took those actions and how we're going to keep this from happening again. So again, I, I've never sat in the room with all these folks and, and had to talk about a subject like this 
to this point. So I have no idea how they're going to react. Figured they're not happy about any of this, right? So that's your default, right? (laughs) Yeah. So I dutifully put together a PowerPoint, and at the end of this PowerPoint is is sort of the the plan forward. So it was this five year plan where it started with us backing up our servers to the cloud in a way that we could easily, you know, bring them back up. Um, and then the, there's another phase where we're doing, you know, real time replication. And then the final sort of after five years, we're, we're our full production environment is in the cloud. We're replicating it to another region. So I get through this whole, this whole uh, spiel, and the CEO looks at me and he asks, "Can we just move everything to the cloud now?" <laughs> and I just thought. You can't, you got to be kidding me, really? Like, this is fantastic. <laughs> so, I mean, talk about supportive. I mean, yeah, there were some pressing questions during, <laughs> during yeah. that meeting. But the outcome, you know, something really good came out of something really bad. That could have gone a completely different direction. They could have lost all trust in us as a result of that incident. Well, in listening to your story, there was a lot of things that went right um right which is first of all um uh you were notified uh let's just start there someone didn't just try to you know sit there and uh you know i'm gonna i'm gonna try and get this working for hours and hours and hours and then notify you last minute so let's just start there you were notified that was a great thing that shows trust that uh, I, I need to bring my supervisor in so that they can immediately start uh, uh helping me out and then you did the right thing by notifying uh, and giving some notification prior to uh, people coming in, which is always like, I know that time it's I, I need this is the time in which I need to notify. And this is the this is the point where of no return. If we get here, then I need to tell people it's sorry, it's not coming up. Right. It, you know, and they and then they got to make plans because now they have a whole workforce that they need to make plans for. Um, did they have contingencies in place for the, any of this to happen? Uh, yes and no. Uh, yes, in that there were, uh, paper processes to fall back on temporarily, um, where, you know, data could be entered into applications later. You know, we had some contingencies in that for email, for instance, which is probably the most critical of all the services that we were, we were running at the time. We're not anymore, but we were running it at the time. Uh, you know, luckily we have, um, we have uh, Mimecast for email security. So people were able to get to their, their emails, uh, in Mimecast. It was very clunky, but, but it, but it worked in a pinch. So yeah, it was a little bit. Yes. A little bit. No. Well, so, and then this is a, this is one of those good points where, um, kind of assessing that from a, um, from a non it perspective, right. This gave kind of the company a chance to see what, uh, having systems down, what kind of impact that, uh, would have. And, you know, I've been in that situation before. I'm sure everyone has, uh, where you, you know, and, and for me, it was a hurricane, you know, uh, where, you know, it, it kind of, you kind of go, Oh man, um, there's some business processes that need to be, uh, addressed as well. And, and, it, and it's good. And this is why people suggest walkthroughs, right? And, uh, a lot of companies now do walkthroughs in this. In these scenarios to try and just let's think of a scenario. Let's walk through it and see how we are. And you'd be amazed at how many times people go, Oh, yeah, no, you're right. We need to think of something for that. So, um, uh, this was kind of a, a real life uh, walkthrough, <laughs> right? But, um, <laughs> I, 
I'm, you know, you also did right there. I thought was was the PowerPoint presentation putting together, um, you know, what happened, how did it happen, how we could prevent it from happening again. Um, you know, uh, you know, and then throwing an idea out there that sparked, uh, you know, the um, you said the was the CEO of the company. Yeah, yeah, sparked the CEO of the company to go. Ah, why wait? Let's go. You know, and that's a, I mean, and that's a great suggestion. You know, that's a great question to ask, right? What do you need? What do you need to go get, uh, get there quicker? And to me, there's a lot that went right, um, within the IT department, um, within the management of the company all the way up. And, uh, and for the culture that what a great culture in a company to, to, um, go, you know what? They're going through some stuff. Let's, Let's let's uh, power through and let them do their st- do their thing. That is a great story. What a gr- what a um uh, uh just so much in that story that you can start picking apart and and uh, and saying a, kind of a, a case study almost of of the how it should work and wh- and how you know a problem turned into an opportunity, kind of like we talked about earlier. Yeah, and and it makes me feel really lucky to be working with with folks who, um, you know, have have that type of attitude in in a time of uh of like I'll call it a time of crisis that, that really were, you know, supportive of, of their coworkers rather than taking it out on us. So then, so then you get, yeah, okay, now we're going to move everything to the cloud, and uh, and now you're you got to be back in project manager mode going. Okay, now I got to design some projects and I need to uh put some things together cuz now you got to you got to put together what cost you need to put together uh how you're going to do that, which systems are going to go critical. I mean, there's so much that's going on in your head about at that point, right? Yep, there was a lot to do all of those things and going going back to the team of four, you know, we brought in some outside help to fast track uh no the migration of the cloud and that that helped uh, tremendously. Very nice. And uh and did it go well? It went very well. It went very, very well. Uh, you know, we have a really stable infrastructure now. Our our entire our entire production environment is in the cloud. Um, we're not hosting our own email anymore. That's all in Microsoft 365. You know, we have a and we have such a, a minimal footprint now because we were able to do so much reducing and and so much moving moving applications to SaaS. That we have such a minimal footprint now, even in the cloud, and that minimal footprint that we do have, that minimal virtual server footprint, we're now evolving that to platform as a service offerings. Nice. Yes. So we're we're going to be down to virtually zero servers in, uh, I would say, really within the next year or two. We're only going to have a couple be running a couple server at that point, which I think is fantastic. And you know, it also all of this it, uh, results in less administrative effort on our part keeping up the infrastructure the move to the cloud the move uh up the up the stack to to platform as a service to software as a service we we spend less of our time on the infrastructure you know let other people take some of that load off of us and we could spend more time working on projects and initiatives that deliver more direct uh value direct tangible value to the business so and and uh and the great news about not only that if that business grows or when when that business grows or it's probably growing anyway cuz based on what i'm hearing it's a well run business um <clears throat> you're going to be able to scale quicker 
Yeah. So it is growing. You, that, you surmised that correctly. And yeah, absolutely. There are so many huge benefits of, of the cloud that to me just outweigh any of the drawbacks. And yeah, one is one is certainly the scaling. Super easy to scale. It, it, the cloud has really um, matured a lot. Um, uh, you know, what's from when it first, uh, um, started and, and especially there's so many different ways to use the cloud. You know, I, it's almost a misnomer to just say the cloud, right? Because there's so many different, like you mentioned, Hey, yeah, at our, you know, we have a small server footprint up there, but now we're moving to platform as a service, right? And, you know, I've, I've taken a bunch of applications and we're just migrating them up to SaaS. So. I mean, there's so many different ways and options to use it. And I think that's the, that is the really the, the trick of the trade there, right? Just like it was in the days where we had the physical servers and, and running the VMware and the blade servers and knowing how to do all those things. It's just now it's like, okay, but now we got to figure out what's the best way to pop it up into the cloud. So it fits our model, our environment, our company. Yeah. And, and really that brings up a good, a good, topic of discussion when you start especially leveraging SaaS where it's it's really completely outside of your of your purview at that point where wherever it's running you know some vendor is running it somewhere keeping control over that um because starts to become uh, a challenge because now it's not all behind my firewall or even my virtual firewall or my you know ACLs um on, on my cloud objects you know, now this is literally someone else is running this now. So IAM uh, becomes hugely important at that point. So that's one of the things we're really working on right now. We have all these SaaS apps. You know, we're we're not a huge company, but we have we have probably 60, 70 SaaS apps at this point. And, you know, we we implemented a password policy not terribly long ago, but it's important to have a password policy. We implemented MFA not terribly long ago. Uh, that's That's been a boon for us. That's uh, that's saved us on, on a number of occasions. But if we're running SaaS apps, how do we make sure those SaaS apps are conforming to our security standards, right? So we've been putting a lot of effort into a vendor evaluation, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if, if that vendor is going to be hosting uh, any sort of uh, proprietary or, or sensitive data of ours. Uh, so we're doing, we have a, a, IT now has a formal vendor review process. We're reviewing the SOC 2, we're filling out a, a questionnaire and we're, we're properly evaluating vendors. And then we're, we're really pushing hard on, uh, SSO. So our identity provider, now that we're, we're a Microsoft shop. So we're in, we're in Azure. So our, our identity provider is, uh, Azure. Active Directory, which they're now calling Entra ID. But yeah, I'm not it's call now. It. Yes, I, I, I keep. It's like I can't keep up with Microsoft and 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 them changing everything. I love the platforms they got. And by the way, you're doing it right because uh, you run all the apps uh, through Entra, right? Uh, you, they'll identify them as they check in, especially if all your devices are in there, right? And you logged all your devices in there. You've got it all set up there, and you and you can see all those. Um, uh, all those applications, and now your SSO on all those applications. So you want to log into them? They need to. You need to be SSO'd in, in there, and you need to make sure you're logging in with your Microsoft account. What a great idea! And it's a tough one to do, right? Because it's a lot of apps, it's a lot of things, and you might not know them all. It's, 
it's not bad going forward. Like as you onboard a new app, it's that's back. part of how you do it. But yeah, going through the backlog is really difficult. Yep. And I got to tell you, one thing that bugs me is the inconsistency from from vendor to vendor and app to app. We have we have a handful of apps that just do not support SSL, right? Which is amazing at this point. I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah. We have other ones where it's it's an upcharge or you have to be a certain tier of service yep. to to get the SSO feature, right? So it's like ding 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 it starts to become a a, a huge cost to implement something that I really feel should be table stakes at this point. It really should. It, it's it's almost like not putting a radio in a car at this point, right? You know. Yeah. It, uh, it it's like it needs it needs to have that. What are you talking about? I mean, it's a, and it's actually even worse than that because it's actually almost like not having, um, uh, uh not having brakes in a car. I, actually, that's, uh, that's actually a better analogy, <laughs> but it is because I mean, it, you know, upcharge for the brakes and let me stop. I mean, it is a, uh, um, it's a security risk for not only the, and this is, this is the crazy thing, not only the, um, companies using it, but the company that is hosting it. Why would you not want SSO uh, in there? Why would you not want those companies to have secure data? Because if if they breach out, you know that they're you're going to hear about it. So it's it's amazing to me why that why that's an upcharge for anything. SSO should be default. <laughs> MFA should be default. It should they shouldn't even at this point they shouldn't even be offering uh, anything without uh, like MFA shouldn't even be like an uh, option to be turned off. It should just be like. It, it like as standard as a password at this point, it should right. just be MFA. Yeah. It's amazing and, to me that that's not the case. And and what's great is when you when you can do SSO, when you can federate, you can tie the MFA in with the identity provider. So as long as we have people doing SSO, we have a conditional access policy in Entra that that forces them to do MFA. And for the employee, it's convenient. It's the same passwords, the same MFA method across across their apps the conditional access policies they just got those right they uh, um they do such a good job um uh, microsoft is really uh in in my opinion winning at this point <laughs> with uh with the uh um with the security tie-ins and and stuff um uh, uh you know i'm sure uh, uh i'm sure the google will get up there you know it's always a back and forth it's a, and stuff like that but um uh, the the really good thing with Microsoft is is they are winning at that point of being able to tie that stuff in. Um, I I think you're right, and I think you're approaching it the right way. And and really also that solves another problem for you, which would be um, uh, shadow IT. Kind of kind of makes that harder to do. <laughs> it, it does make it harder to do, and it and it does. You know what, shadow IT. Uh, it, I'm sure that it still happens at at my company. Um, but I, I really don't think it happens as much because, you know, what you're talking about is, is imposing controls, but I'll tell you over the course of the, the three and a half years I've been with Yonkers, um, folks there, as they've gotten to know me have really warmed up to me. And you know, when they're looking at software now, when they're thinking about making a change, um, they, they come to me for, for advice and for, and for guidance. You know, I don't have to ask, I don't have to track people down. I don't have to, I don't have to exercise control. You know, we're, we're cooperative. 
I absolutely love that you said this because it is such a great point. When you, uh, well, not just you, when any any IT organization starts embracing the idea uh, that they are the change makers in the organization, that they are the people that uh, help enable change and help enable um, uh, people to do get things done, um, you know, uh, they cease to become a cost center. And instead, they become a strategic enabler in an organization. And when that happens, then every, the, exactly what's happening to you is is uh, is what happens, which is I need to go to them because they will help me get my goal done. They will help me. They will assist me. And then that reduces shadow IT all in itself. You know, I'm sure it's still out there here and there. But most of the time shadow IT occurs is because people can't get stuff done. In time, they can't get stuff done the way they need, uh, and uh, by you know making IT uh, able to say, "Hey, yes, we can get that done for you," and guess what? We can get it done in a way that's uh, not only what you want but better. That's huge. That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah you, absolutely. Um, you had uh, uh, mentioned a really interesting uh, thing in uh, in one of your blog posts. <laughs> To go back oh, to no. those, <laughs> I thought uh, we were done no, with that. It was really cool. It was really cool because I know uh, it's funny because we were talking about. Um, uh, uh, you, you said, "I remember being interviewed years ago uh, by uh, um, by an individual who uh, it was for a system engineer position, and saying, uh, no, I don't have the experience uh, with this or that technology.'" Um, so many times you said that in that in that interview that you were like, there's no way I got that job. I had zero chance of getting that job. But yet you were shocked when you got the job. Right. And in there, you kind of said a bright person can learn a technology or even a business model in a relatively short time. For many roles, there are other factors that should carry more weight. So tell us about this. Yeah, that job was a little bit of a reach for me. That was my second, I'll call it my second real sort of full-time uh, IT job. Uh, and the job, it involved, it was for a, a software company, uh, a, a SaaS company. And this was like 15 years ago. Wow. And Yep. And uh, yeah, it was a very, very forward-thinking company. And they were just using all sorts of, like, I had never... It's just for the systems network engineer position. I had never used a SAN. I'd never used virtualization at that point. So they're asking me about this stuff in the interview, of course. And no, 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 never did that. No, never worked with that. No, I don't even know what that is. Um, but you know, those weren't the only questions they were asking. They were also asking questions about working through problems, you know, basic kind of network problems, um, trying to assess uh sort of uh, assess the steps that i would go through to to troubleshoot and just by the end of the thing i had little confidence that i got the role and i, I was i was very surprised that i did but it was uh you know I, I learned something from that experience what do you think got you that role? that's a good question that's a good question um i think you know I, it it wasn't one thing but there's one specific interaction that i had with uh the gentleman who had become my become my manager and make the hiring decision where 
he asked me a question. It was trouble. It was some sort of scenario based question, right? I'm troubleshooting some kind of a, a system outage. It might have been an email or I, I don't really remember the details of it. But um, he just asked me, what would I do? What would I do to troubleshoot it? And I said, oh, first I would look at this. And he said, no, that, you know, that doesn't turn up anything. And I would look at this and look at this. And finally, I said, well, you know, I would, I would, uh, you know, tell that to port you know, whatever, tell him that the poor 587 or whatever it was. And he said, ah, that's it. Okay. We can move on. So he was just trying to understand, you know, my, my knowledge of, of the fundamentals of the basics of networking. Cause if, if you understand networking, you can learn any vendor's product, right? True. Very true. It's an interesting, uh, and I, and I like the idea, right? Because, um, I always say they can teach tech. Right. The 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 real thing, in fact, the most of the time when I hire, what I look for is individuals that um fit a certain uh work ethic, right? That fit a certain um uh problem, uh, you know, uh, ability to work a problem and take ownership of it and know that they're gonna be the ones that uh um are gonna fix it, which is an interesting thought. Um there's a when you had that problem, I'll jump back here to um we were talking about um the issue with Yonkers. You knew that you were gonna fix the problem. You just didn't know how long it would take you, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, everyone knows uh, there's no one else to fix it. I'm gonna fix the problem, you know, but it's like, how long is it gonna be until I get that done? Right. So there's a yeah. We're, we're getting everything back. You know, there's there's no there's there's no concern that like this stuff's just gone, <laughs> right? You're in trouble if if your IT department, uh, you know, it, it can conceivably be in that situation. You don't want to be anywhere near that. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell data. I just I always want to be able to restore the data. That's like the number one thing. I always had a person with data and the, you know, the, it would be the sand engineer or anything like that. And I'd be like, I always want to be able to restore this data. That is my number one request of you. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, I, you know, and it just, you want that problem solving, you want that, but all those, those are, those are not IT skills. Those are, those are, generic skills that uh you know that people should have that you should look for uh it i always look at it is the the you know the matching the it is like the bonus like the cherry on top of the cupcake you know so so to speak the the, the most important skills the ones that you're describing are also the hardest ones to to interview for to fit into a, whatever an hour-long conversation or whatever the, your company's interview process is it's not easy that's that's very true. Um, so we've arrived at um, our final segment, which is going to be uh, IT crystal ball. Uh, this is the segment that we go over the future of IT. Um, we've gone over a lot of stuff in here, but um, it's interesting. We talked about this this migration to the cloud, and then it got me thinking. Um, you know, is there going to be? Uh, um, are you going to be standing? in your uh CEO's office, you know, five years from now, going with another presentation, hopefully before anything goes down, right? <laughs> and saying, here's the next thing that we need to do as an organization. Um 
what is that thought? What's that mentality? Because right now, yeah, I mean, the, you know, many people have, have done that migration to the cloud and they're there and, and this is where they're at. But where are we going uh, um, from here? What's the next what's the next jump? Oh, geez. What's the next jump from there? Well, you know, I don't know if I'm if I'm imaginative enough uh, to give a, a great answer to that question. But, uh, you know, I certainly I certainly see an evolution of uh, some of the things that that we talked about. Right. I mean, the the idea of servers and server operating systems are going to go away. Everything is just going to be code running in containers or on, on some type of platform. Um, I think I think the ecosystem of products and technologies to um, to govern govern a, a company's assets in the cloud is going to mature quite a bit. Um, and, and also, you know, you have the same problem in the physical world that you do in the virtual world, where you're trying to kind of corral and get your arms around all these disparate, um, these disparate SaaS apps and resources in the cloud. You're also having a hard time, especially you know, post COVID world, of of keeping uh, some kind of governance and and control over over endpoints and what people are doing with with their endpoints. So I think we're going to see. Just a, a lot of evolution there. And I think we're already at the point where really all there is is endpoints in the cloud. I mean, in a lot of a lot of larger organizations, they, you know, it takes a lot of effort to get to that point and they may not be there, but we're we're pretty much there. It's just your endpoint and the cloud. And I don't really want any of our data to be on your endpoint. <laughs> that's very true. I mean, the you know, the the modern desktop experience uh, you know, fixes that. Right. And, you know, and it takes yep. the, uh, it takes the data and it, it says, Oh, yeah, it's, it's here. Right. But it's not, it's really, you know, syncing and stuff. Uh, and, uh, and as, uh, um, you know, as we continue to have better and better internet service and stuff like that, uh, which is, I, I think has to be the, has to be what, what happens. Um, you know, that access, that data. I mean, there, you know, you you're pl- you you can play uh high quality computer games straight from the cloud now you know so why are we why do we even have you know computer systems that just you know uh where the endpoint and all the data needs to sit on it, it right and we have cellular service uh, uh you know speeds now with with 5g ultra wideband that you know you don't need you don't necessarily need wi-fi anymore um, yep. But but there is the challenge of getting that type of service out to certain parts of the world that it's not so easy to, or the money isn't there to build all of that infrastructure. That's very right? true. So you need to start doing crazy things like balloons and things of that nature and, and satellite. <laughs> well, and uh, yeah, well, we don't need to we don't need any more balloons flying up, uh, wow. up, in, the, <laughs> up in the sky. <laughs> it's 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 driving everyone nuts. <laughs> but uh, um, but uh, um, but no, it is, it is a great point. Actually, I have five G in my house, um, and uh, it was just remarkable. I literally, I it's a it's a cube, and I just I set it, I set it down, I plugged it in, and it just worked. And I was just like, this is so easy. <laughs> this, there's like nothing to configure. You just plug it in and connect, and you're good to go. Uh, it was it was the easiest. IT thing I've ever done. I think it was just plug this cube in and be like, all right, well, it's working now. Well, that was internet. That's good. Yeah. That's the opposite of a printer. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I guess in the future, um uh, you know, we'll, we're probably gonna still continue to have printing problems though. <laughs> I don't know that this whole idea of the paperless future really never panned out, but I'm I'm holding out hope. I'm holding out hope it somehow happens. Why, why hasn't it panned out? Why why can't we move away? I you know I don't have a printer at my house anymore. I and uh, and even at the office I work, I don't even have a printer. I don't print anything, and yet still people still ask me to print stuff. I and it's like why why do I have to do this? Yeah, you and I can't solve this problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, maybe, you know what? Well, maybe that's the idea for the future, right? Is to figure out a problem uh, and figure out the, the you know, we have a problem here and it's printers. There's an opportunity there. We need to figure out what to do with printers, right? So that's maybe the, the future is figuring out what to do with the printers. That's <laughs> I, I think we figured out my destiny on this podcast. There you go. <laughs> Nerds. Uh, I'm Michael Moore. I've been hosting this podcast for Dissecting Popular IT Nerds with Will Peraza, who's a, a Director of Information Technology at Yonkers. Just going to say Yonkers, just mess with people. <laughs> Will, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on this podcast. Um, uh, please come on again. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs>